the cannabis industry is evolving at a radical pace, progressing toward the green peak. Each week, join Richard Zwicky, a cannabis visionary and entrepreneur, as he interviews experts from around the globe to discuss updates and evolutions in the world of cannabis. Let's make that climb together up the, the green, green peak. peak with your host, Richard Zwicky. Hi, everybody. I'm Richard Zwicky with The Green Peak. And joining us today, we have Joe Carruthers, who is a specialist in uh, SPACs and the whole direction that uh, financing that is really becoming more and more common with regards to companies going forward. And Joe, why don't you tell us a bit about your firm and how you got involved in the uh, space? Sure. Thanks for thanks for having me uh, today. It's a pleasure to join you guys. Um, in terms of our firm, um, uh, we started uh, Cirrus Group Holdings uh, is a cannabis-focused uh, investment firm. We operate and function much like a fund structure. Um, however, due to some quirks, I guess, in, in investing in cannabis uh, a few years ago, we set ourselves up as a holding company. Um, so we've been investing now for about three and a half years uh, in cannabis. Recently, uh, I guess you know, a week or so before the world fell apart, uh, with COVID, um, we took a or sponsored a SPAC um, uh, that began trading in Canada. Uh, obviously, we we listed in Canada for the purpose of of, of continuing as we have at Cirrus Group, you know, continuing to uh, to look at plant touching uh, opportunities uh, around the industry. And um, basically, the SPAC for us is sort of an extension of what we've been doing at Cirrus, uh, but on a you know on a larger scale. So. Very excited, I think, about the timing and, and where the industry is today uh, and the prospects for you know, having essentially having capital to deploy into what we think is, is going to be a, a time that we all look back on as, as, as having been a great time to be in the industry. Absolutely. And that first spec that you listed, you put it on which exchange in Canada? It's traded on the NEO. Okay. Okay. Great. And how large was it? Uh, it's 120 million U.S., so um, we've got basically, you know, call it 21 months from when we began trading, plus there's obviously the, the ability for some extensions there, uh, but call it 21 months from, uh, from March. So we're, we've got 15, 16 months, uh, you know, sort of left on that timeline. But yeah, 120 million U.S. Uh, listed in Canada. Right. And I think that's something people don't realize going in when they're speaking to SPACs, but SPACs are set up with a finite life where they have to find the deal and consummate the consummate it um, well for want of a better term um, do the, perform the merger right. that um, then the operating vehicle continues with and the uh, the investors are into a company that is an operating company with their investment in the first place as opposed to a lot of other companies or shells or you know which don't really have that same finite lifespan um, so, you know, that's a big difference between how a SPAC is different from an RTO or an IPO. Um, what are the advantages then why should be looked at for, for cannabis companies in particular? Because I know it's, it's a very good option for cannabis companies. Yeah, look, I, I think it's a great option for, for just about any industry, right? It can make sense uh, depending on you know, sort of the right uh, you know, the right formula is sort of in place. Uh, I think it can make sense in, in just about any industry. And then when you get into something like cannabis, where you've got even less of the other options, more traditional options uh, are really uh, are really available to cannabis companies. I think that puts even more emphasis on on the value a SPAC can bring. I mean, look, the, the problem you have in 
cannabis, right, is, is a is, it's almost so fundamental that I think I think unless you're dealing with it every day, you almost don't even think about something this basic where, you know, in cannabis today, if you a company that's you're trying to raise more than, you know, 10 or 20 million dollars, you know, taking, you know, the, the small checks, personal checks, friends and family just doesn't work once you get, you know, to that sort of mid or larger size. And I think that's where, you know, traditionally you'd have you know, larger private equity funds, you'd have institutional capital. You know, that would come in and get that business to a place where it's ready to be publicly listed, right? And that new sort of public capital um, uh, and currency is is useful to the growth of the business. But what you've seen in cannabis, right, is a sort of that that whole middle section of the market is just sort of gone, uh, hmm. or doesn't exist yet. Um, so you've had you know RTOs like you mentioned, you know, being done really on companies that aren't quite ready for for public listing, right? But they're trying to figure out, okay, how do we how do we jump over? You know, this big, big missing section of, of, of what's traditionally sort of the, the evolution in your capital stack. And I think that's what you're, that's what you've seen in the past. Now inter SPACs, right. And you have sort of a bridge vehicle, right. That can, that can treat this, you know, this entire transaction on behalf of the company. It can feel more like an M&A transaction versus an outright buyout, right. Where you've got to sort of adversarially almost, uh, you know, you're working against the public, right. And the public shareholders and saying, okay, here's what we think you're worth. They're beating you up over that. I think in a SPAC, it's a, it's a, it's a great way the the way the vehicle is set up for investors to sort of wade into, you know, a cannabis investment, get a free look, obviously earn a treasury like return, you know, while they hold those shares and wait for a deal to be announced, as you mentioned in those 21 months. And, and at the same time, it's a, it's a way for the entrepreneurs or the executives of the companies to sort of work their way into that deal, uh, you know, at their pace, right? And be able to work with their shareholders uh, to, to find terms that work on a deal and that they're comfortable with uh, versus it sort of being a, you know, here, we're going to tell you what we think you're worth and you're either going to like it or you're not. In this case, you can bring, you know, those large investors over the wall and really make it more of a collaborative process. I think where both sides can feel comfortable as they work their way into a deal, which should help how everyone feels about it. Right. Because it's, it really does add some deal certainty, clarity, and obviously the timing, uh, it helps, I think on the timing side as well with this fact structure, it gets things done quite a bit quicker, which it removes some risk there as well. It does, and because the SPAC already has the public company structure to it, it has a lot of the elements in place that most private companies are missing and right. need to spend a lot of money building very That's quickly right. in the process. And, uh, you know, it's not that you're skipping steps or taking a shortcut. It's just that it's bringing value to the table beyond just the capital. But, you know, one of the things, and the funniest That's thing right. I had referred to, was, you know, SPACs are great for any industry with hair. And uh -huh. this this industry has a lot of hair. And, uh, <laughs> you know, That's right. it's, uh, if it were simple and straightforward, it would be obvious. But we've got the, you know, the early investors who, the Gen 1 investors who did incredibly well. And then we hit a cliff. And we've yep. got a lot of companies that are, you know, you can see the other side, but let's face it, there's lots of issues. And the issues sure. are, are global, not just in, uh, you know, whereas, you know, they're state to state in the U.S. Globally, there's issues and there's no question it's going somewhere. It's just a question of the, you know, the timelines are longer than anybody would have hoped. The government regulatory frameworks uh, don't always change to uh, 
the plans they outline, they change their minds and change things. And COVID really has set everybody back, not just from the perspective of health and everything else, but, you know, as far as businesses go, um, government parties were elsewhere. And yeah. you know, getting through it is is challenging and SPACs are very good for that. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. I mean, for this industry, it's not an, you're, you're exactly right. It's not an if, but a when. Uh, when do these things start to happen? And and I think you're right. You, you are starting to see, you know, the, the the shoreline a little bit in terms of you know, companies that have delivered on the promise that folks were investing in over the last few years. And I think as you start to see, okay, the, the fog starts to clear a little, and you you start to really be able to see, you know, look, this 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 industry is going to get there, and it really does become a question of when. You know, not if, and I think that's very helpful. And you're right, SPACs are SPACs are sort of there. I think to you know, to be able to do that in a you know for for a company right that that wants to be aggressive at a time like this, uh, because that is that's really what we've found is it's you know the the path that cannabis has taken into COVID. You had a very you take a very capital constrained environment right or industry, and then mm-hmm. you, you you almost put that you almost you almost you know double that in terms of your thinking for what cannabis sort of went right it was it was very you you still don't have the institutions but then you had you didn't have that sort of shoreline out there right where you could see some success stories it was all a promise until these last few months i think that took a very big leap of faith for investors and a lot of them did get a lot of a lot of folks did very well and a lot of folks got burned um and i think that's where sort of now that you're starting to see you know that there really is promise there and you've seen folks deliver on it I think it's going to mo- make folks more aggressive. And what we've found over these last few months is from the company side, it re- really is haves and have nots, right? You, you take a really tough capital raising environment and then you add COVID to the tail end of that and you get you know, COVID at, at the end of the day, I think will probably for, for how horrible it, it is generally, I think it's probably going to end up being a, being a situation you look back on from the cannabis perspective and say, this was probably a positive for the industry. Some good longer-term things came from COVID, came during this time, but that does not make it any less painful for the folks that went into COVID capital constrained. And then you all of a sudden add these fears on top and the anxiety that comes around that. And, mm-hmm. and it's really, I think, led to you know, some businesses being in a position to say, okay, this is a time to get aggressive. Uh, there's better, even better legislation coming likely even faster than you know, now, at least, than, than what folks thought. Um, and are there some pressures there that'll move the needle a little quicker? And if so, then this is the time to, you know, to, to grab share, right. And get aggressive. But then you've got a lot of names out there. I think that are still licking their wounds, right. From yep. you know, a tough environment going into COVID. And then you add COVID on top of that. And, 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 and obviously that's, you know, can, can be a spooky situation. I think for a lot of folks, even though it has been probably overall good for, you know, consumer sales and, uh, and the industry as a whole in terms of that narrative and storyline. Hey, no question there's positives, but it also has stagnated um, a lot of development. And, uh, you know, there's, it has exacerbated a lot of the challenges. It's made it incredibly difficult um, as a business and it already was hard. And Um, we've seen, we've seen that very directly. We've seen it in the U.S. and outside of the U.S. where it's, to your point, governments just aren't, you know, they they want the tax revenue. They want to open the pipes. You know to yep. to uh, you know to, to moving cannabis and those things. But you're right. They especially international markets over the last few months. It seemed like they just sort of said, "Okay, wait. 
know, there's a lot to, we've bit off a lot with, with cannabis uh, legalization and we want to make sure we do this right. And right now, we've got to deal with so many other things that uh, we have seen a lot of those export and import permits get put on hold. A lot of those things have happened. So you're right. It's gumming up the system uh, in, mm-hmm. in that way. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So we have to take a break, but we'll be back in a moment with uh, Joe Carruthers from Series Group talking about SPACs. And I'm Richard Zwicky, of course, on The Green Peak. Back to you in a minute. The Green Peak will climb back into your podcast player after we play some messages from our sponsors. Elevate your every day with that Shuggies feeling with the sweet taste of Shuggies. Add a cup of Shuggies to your morning coffee. Ah, how sweet it is. Shuggies infuses cannabis and cane sugar to make it the perfect sweetener with benefits. Make your happy hour happier with a dunk of Shuggies in your drink. Order your Shuggies now at S-H-O-O-G-I-E-S dot com or find it in dispensaries throughout California. Whenever you crave a little sweet, pick up Shuggies, the sweet, sweet, take-anywhere treat. Fortunate to have Michael Brewer of Brewer and Shipley your signature top 10 song, One Toke Over the Line. I've read a couple different versions of, of what the tune's origins are. What's the true story? We were playing a little club in Kansas City. A friend stopped by with some really good hash. We stepped out back and came back in. We we're tuning up in the dressing room, and Tom said, Man, I'm really one toke over the line. I just cracked up. I thought it was hysterical. We literally wrote that song just entertaining ourselves and to make our friends laugh. It's time to Hemp Resent, only on Cannabis Radio. Hey, take a look at this. They're selling smart pots. (laughs) They have pot that can make you smart? Where is it? Not that kind of pot. Smart pots are the best aeration container to grow your plants. Check this out. This is the original fabric container for faster producing, healthier plants. They're made with a superior fabric that delivers high yields. Plus, smart pots are reusable and sustainable, so you can use them over and over again, no matter if you use them indoor or outdoor. That's very smart, but how good are they for the environment? Smart pots are BPA free and lead free, so you'll always be able to ensure a pure, clean grow, and they're 100% made in the U.S. Over 28 million smart pots have already been sold, so it seems like a smart investment. Look for smart pots in close to 2,000 garden centers throughout North America and ask for the original fabric container. Find a store near you or order yours online at smartpots.com. Climbing our way up, up, up to the Cannabis Summit of Success. Cannabis Radio is back with more of the Green Peak. And we're back on the Green Peak, and we're with Joe Carruthers from the Series Group. And Joe, you know, before the break, we're just chatting about how, you know, COVID may have some positive benefits in terms of forcing businesses to streamline and forcing a lot of structure on them to to manage through this crisis. Of course, internationally, it's also causing different issues where the regulatory frameworks, you know, change, but also it's not as, uh, not always the top priority with every, all the health issues. But you know, let's focus back onto the SPACs themselves because all those challenges are going to be worked through one way or the other. And the advantage of a SPAC is it brings you the capital necessary to ride through it as long as you have a fundamentally sound business. But 
what are the risks to a SPAC for, from an investor? What's something, not an investor, from an entrepreneur and investor's perspective that you know people look at in terms of, well, there's a pot of money and if we can get this deal done, we have the capital we need, but it's never that straightforward. What are the things entrepreneurs need to look out for and you know, investors who want to participate in one really should be aware of? Yeah, I mean, one of the you know, one of the big advantages, generally speaking, about SPACs is that you know they're they're flexible, right? There's flexibility there. You can you can craft a deal, uh, you know, that you think makes sense for investors. Um, you know, that's that's comped and makes sense versus what else you know the other options in the market and the, and the competitive group in the market. Um, the, I think the one thing you hear all all the time, right, about a weakness, for instance, of a SPAC is that you have, you know, you have dilution uh, and you have the possibility that, that, that the IPO buyers, the shareholders decide they don't like the deal, right. And, and, mm-hmm. and decide to redeem. And then all of a sudden you're in our case or $120 million uh, is, is $80 million or $60 million. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really where the, the quote unquote risk can come from. Um, however, you know, I think the, the investors in a deal like that are looking for the same things they would be in an IPO, right? It's, it's, we want to make sure this, it, that this business has, has, a, has a sound financial story that makes sense and has a story in, in terms of where it's growing and, and, and where it's headed uh, that makes sense and, and, and warrants an investment, right? And so I think at the end of the day, it's, it's really the same it's the same things you're going to look at, um, you know, that you would to buy any even already publicly traded stock, right? These shareholders are going to look and they're going to say, okay, is the financial story here uh, a valid one? Uh, and are there plans going forward? You know, do those make, make sense with what we're seeing and, 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 and sort of make sense versus the competitive set and other, other names in the sector that I can own? So I think the criteria ends up being very similar. I think the story, though, is more about cannabis in this case than it is a SPAC, right? It's, it's do people, you know, the, the stories that exist in cannabis today, you know, where do you sort of fit into that, right? There's, um, right. There are some success stories now. And I think if, I think investors want to get behind uh, a cannabis SPAC name, right? I think they want to get behind that. I think they want to see more, you know, pure plays, cannabis related, especially you know, U.S. Uh, U.S. operators. I think you you've seen that interest from investors because you you hear about it in the road shows and you see it in their in their interest in getting involved. You know, in the SPAC process. Uh, but what we what we need are more of those you know more of those D SPACs, right? Where uh, the investors have have seen a deal. You put it. You know, the SPAC team has put a deal in front of them. You know, they've gone through the process and then and then had a successful D SPAC which there have been a few in cannabis. And I think mm-hmm. what we need, we're sort of on the cusp of seeing several more of those. And I think that will build a lot more comfort around the end of the process, um, which I think is where all of it sort of, all the risk sort of piles up, you know, in most people's minds sort of piles up right at the end of the process of DSPAC. It's are your shareholders going to hang on to the stock? And I absolutely think the answer to that is yes. If you put a story in front of them and a company in front of them and a deal in front of them, that makes sense. And I think that's what the market is is has has proven in the past. That look, AYR is a great example, right? Um, everybody thought you can't put five five simultaneous companies simultaneously closed together. Um, and and if if you can and it makes sense and you do it, 
you can have the type of success that you see with AYR. And I think that's, and outside of Canvas, you see it over and over, right? DraftKings is a great example. Uh, and there's numerous others, but I think that's, that's what, that's what we need to see more of in cannabis. And we have seen a few, but I think we need a few more of those to really get that comfort level there to where those risks aren't the prevailing thought. No, absolutely. Now, you know, something you said just made me, uh, was thinking of adding back a bit towards it is, you know, the, when you're a entrepreneur and considering going public, you're going into the deal and trying to set the market price and it'll, you know, it'll go up, down, and you'll raise capital from that initial uh, round with a less certainty until the close happens. With a SPAC, you have a greater degree of certainty in terms of what your value is going to be and the capital you'll access so you can plan against it. You know if people are redeeming ahead of time how that's going to affect you and what it looks like. Whereas in the other, you know, you give up and you give up something. You do take a bit more dilution when you go the SPAC route, but you also have a greater degree of certainty that once it's closed, you have the capital. You don't have failed IPOs. Right. Right. That's right. Which is a huge risk for anybody, especially in an industry that's emerging, such as this one, which still is. Um, right. And in that line, what does a company need to have in place for a successful SPAC merger? You know, in, in cannabis, uh, it, it's a it's it's a it's sort of a elementary answer, um, which mm -hmm. is the basic things like uh, audits. Right. You're yep. you, you are. Now, I think the biggest consideration for a company is, is to realize you are going to, the money aside, you are now going to have, you are now going to be a public company. Mm -hmm. Is your management team ready for that? That's, that's a drastic yep. change. Um, is your management team ready? Uh, you know, and, and, and yeah, are you, are you equipped to, to deal with what that means, right? And I think mm -hmm. that's a, and, and it affects things in a lot of ways, things like having audited financials. Now that's, you know, that to, to most industries, that seems like a basic thing you don't even need to talk about. But in cannabis, you know, that's a challenge, right, for a lot of companies. Of course so it is. I think getting, getting that type of, getting that type of preparedness, um, if you've got those boxes checked, uh, and, and you are, you know, and you are the right size, um, you know, for, for the SPAC that you're talking to, there, there really shouldn't be much, um, you know, th that gets in the way at that point. Um, if you can check all those boxes, then, then exactly as you said, the, the really nice part, I think for, you know, for the, for the, the current owners of the business are that you can, you can bring a, a couple of those large investors in the public entity, you can bring them over the wall and discuss with them. Right? How? What kind of deal would you would, would you stay in? Right? What, what features do you need to see, or what what do you need us to put as part of this to 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 make this exciting for you? Yeah, that's where it becomes more of a collaborative process versus, as you were saying, you know, where it's it's we want to poke you in the eye for you know we don't think you deserve this valuation. It's not the conversations don't tend to go that direction with a SPAC. They tend to be much more collaborative where it's, all right, what do you want to see here? What can we do to, 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 you know, to make this a deal that makes sense for you and uh, you know, and other shareholders. And I think that's a different conversation. Well, it absolutely is. And it's part of really the uh, strategic planning, not just looking at what you're doing today, but what will you become and that's how does right. this accelerate your business? Let's come back to that after the break. We have to take one more. And I'm Richard Zwicky with Joe Carruthers from the Series Group. The Green Peak will climb back into your podcast player after we play some messages from our sponsors. 
Let me welcome Nick Hexum from 311. We've never heard things like your music when it first came out. It's like to mix the reggae with the punk and all of that together was just such an unusual sound and, and we loved it. We realized we're not gonna copy what's on the radio. At the time it was all grunge at what that was on the radio and I said, let's just stick to what we know and wait for a culture to come around to us. Hey, it's Nick Hexum from 311, and you're listening to Cannabis Confidential with Dr. Dina on CannabisRadio.com. Let the marijuana llama tell you something now About a game for your phone gonna make you say wow The game's about the game of growing cannabis for cash Grow the seeds, sell the bud, put the savings in the stash Little by little your empire grows large Put the big celebrities inside your entourage You can choose to play with Snoop or me or Cheech and Chong Cypress Hill, Willie Nelson, Wiz Khalifa with a bong The name of the game is Hemping, that's the point Download and play while you light yourself a joint Business of cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot proved by the man who run high times. Oh yeah, get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crops, you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc. Trends and technology, processes and products. We cover these areas and more on the cutting edge of cannabis. Be informed from the latest initiators of new innovation. Learn about the latest breakthroughs and best practices in the cannabis and hemp industries. Better products, better infrastructure, and better sustainability. The Cutting Edge of Cannabis. Consulted by the American Cannabis Company. Climbing our way up, up, up to the Cannabis Summit of Success. Cannabis Radio is back with more of the Green Peak. And we're back with Joe Carruthers from the series group uh, on the Green Peak. And Joe, just before the break, we were talking about some of the restrictions and some of what does a company need to be successful going through a SPAC merger. And, you know, a couple of the things that uh, come into it is when cannabis companies today are used to raising, you know, 5 million, 10 million, and you're looking at a SPAC and it's got 75, 100, 125 million dollars in it, obviously the conversation has to be dramatically different and it's the use of capital. And sometimes the specs have restrictions in them that the capital that they're bringing in has to be allocated within a certain amount of time. How does the use of capital there differ than once you'd be running under a normal business scenario in terms of the planning of the allocations? Yeah, I mean, you know, there are a couple of, of rules around specs and their execution, right? You have to to, you have to deploy you know, a certain amount of, of, of the capital raised uh, into that initial tr- transaction. So I think you, you have to, you have to uh, sort of plan for, uh, I guess, the, the situation, right, where upon DSPAC or what they call a qualifying transaction, mm-hmm. right, you have to sort of plan for, all right, we're, we've got to deploy roughly 80% of our capital into this transaction. All right, now where does that leave us, right? What do we do next? So it's it's all in the in sort of the, the, the strategic planning around the transaction. Mm-hmm. And I think that for us, that's where our conversations with targets have, have been, I think, a little different potentially than other SPACs. You mentioned the sizing. The sizing is such a big part of this, right? A 
you know, SPAC like ours, that's $120 million, you know, to make the economics work, uh, and I can get into to more of that in, in detail later, but to make those economics work, you really need to be targeting enterprise values, you know, three to you know, 10x, right, uh -huh. of what you capital you've raised. So in our case, we're looking at $350 million purchases to you know, a billion and a half or a billion and a quarter. So right. as you know, in cannabis, there are not a there are not hundreds of names that fit that description. No. Um, you know, so it, it is a it is a question of there's a little bit of scarcity there in terms of 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 where the the industry is and its and its evolution, right? And the number of names that sort of qualify in that conversation. That's one sort of big constraint that you know that that we certainly have to work work through. Um, right. But again, back to the flexibility around the SPAC, what's nice is that you can make multiple combinations, right, to get to those numbers. So I think you can you can have the numbers work out, uh, but it is certainly a, a bit limiting in terms of cannabis, just the number of names that are, you know, sort of fit that description. Um, but uh, we, we, you know, again, the creativity around what you can do and the flexibility around what you can do, you know, makes it feasible. But that sizing piece is, you know, I think is going to be a, I think that's going to be a story you hear about for the next you know, several months or, or even years in cannabis is, you know, there are a decent number. Everybody grabs onto the headline of, you know, SPACs have raised, you know, two and a half or $3 billion for cannabis. The problem is, you know, several of them are four or five, six hundred million dollar SPACs where you're looking at spending, you know, you're, you've got to spend a billion and a half to two or $3 billion. That's not easy to do in cannabis today. So I think you're going to I think you're going to see either you know what we've seen so far, which is smaller SPACs coming in from outside of cannabis, uh -huh. you know, and doing cannabis deals, or you're going to see the, the large cannabis SPACs potentially look at other industries, you know, simply because it's just hard to deploy that volume of capital, uh, you know, in a you know in a way that that's that's going to make economic sense to your investors uh, when that when that comes. So I think that's that's really a big part of this is the sizing, uh, the sizing of these SPACs. I think is going to be a big part of that storyline going forward. Yeah, and and for the SPAC manager, when a deal comes forward, because you know the SPAC manager manages the investors on the one side who are, they're, you know, they're different from traditional institutional investors normally. But if the deal comes forward and, you know it doesn't fit in terms of the amount that's raised. So you've got one that has right now, you mentioned it's $120 million right. and it would fit into something that was 80, but you know, your redemption rate is probably going to run up around that. Do you do that deal or, and look at resizing the SPAC or how do you handle it? Yeah. You know, downsizing, downsizing is, is, is trickier than, than upsizing. Um, mm -hmm. You've obviously heard of the, you know, the, the pipe uh, feature, which a lot of folks will do, uh, yep. you know, if there's cash sort of needed, more cash needed or more uh, redemptions expected. Mm -hmm. And you know, you're going to need cash sort of to, to get this started. You know, you can certainly do the pipe option, which we've seen quite a bit. You mm -hmm. know, downsizing is certainly is trickier, right? Um, you know, the redemption certainly could help there. Um, and I think in some cases, you know, they really are beneficial, right? If a, if a SPAC is, is a bit large, <laughs> Uh -huh. uh, you know, but the problem is with downsizing is you still have the overhang, if you will, of the warrants that are out there. Right. Um, so you do still have to think about that. And that's where the economics start to, you start to ask yourself if you're the, if you're the business founder, you know, does, does, does having that overhang and downsizing this deal, does it still make sense financially for us? 
Um, and I think right. that's really where that gets tricky and it's case by case. But, um, you know, that's why for us, we really spent a lot of time thinking about, you know, what, what really is the right size. Uh -huh. um, and I, I think for us, it was a, it, it really was sort of in that 100 to 125 million range really made sense. Um, and I would even tell you that, that, you know, look, even the numbers we're trying to deploy, um, you know, can, can, can cause some challenges, right. Can, can put some challenges in front of us. So, uh, I think you go much bigger at all than that. And, and it can get really dicey, uh, at least in cannabis today. And, and part of that is what the market has done, right. The, the valuations in cannabis have come back. So what an investor, you know, looks at as, as a good deal, uh, financially now, is not the same thing they might have thought a good deal was financially six, six or nine or 12 months ago. So uh -huh. I think the market coming in a little bit has also made the large SPAC, you know, that much tougher to deploy. Yes. Um, but I think it re really does come down to, you know, the structure of the SPAC, the size and the actual capital you need, uh -huh. right? You may not need 120 million. You may wish there was a $40 million, $50 million SPAC out there, right? So. Right. I think that's where we have to get creative with dealing with those shareholders uh, and finding you know, ways to, to get the deal right mm -hmm. size at the time. But again, it's, it's much trickier to go smaller than it is to go right. larger. No, of course. Um, and you know, you're right. And that's one thing we didn't really touch upon, but quickly um, is worth signaling. And I think it's something which anybody has a question they should reach out to you about is, you know, is more question about SPACs and the warrants because that warrant coverage remains even if you downsize, but if you upsize as well, and that right. is an overhang, it's a, not a bad thing because that's your, right. you know, that's your trade-off for the security of knowing the capital is coming with the deal. But right. um, for people who want to contact you, Joe, to find out more, um, what's the best way? Uh, e email, email is a great way to reach me. Um, yeah, and that's serious at Mateo. Uh, it, it would be um, it would be info at cirrusgh.com. Info at cirrusgh.com. That's great. So, you know, I'd invite everybody who has questions to follow up with you. And, uh, you know, we have thousands of listeners every week around the world who uh, are all participating in this industry. And everybody is capital constrained and looking for options. I think uh, I don't know that there's any company in this space who really isn't uh, thinking about that uh, both short-term and long-term. So it's uh, timing is great. And I'd like to thank you for being on, on the uh, show today, Joe, and to all of our listeners for uh, participating as well. Great. Thank you very, very, very much for having me, Richard. Thanks, Joe. And thanks to our listeners. I'm Richard Zwicky on the Green Peak, and I look forward to chatting with you again next week. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.